Coming up on this week's episode of the In the Left Lane podcast, we recap the Hogs' 51-10 home loss against Auburn, preview the road game against number one ranked Alabama, give you the latest in recruiting, plus talk a little hoops. Let's do it! Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of the In the Left Lane podcast brought to you by Hogbeat.com, the Arkansas Rivals site. I'm Nikki Chabanel. I'm here with Andrew Hutchinson. We're your Razorback insiders over there on Hogbeat.com. Uh, we're going into week eight technically, I guess, or game eight against the number one ranked Alabama Crimson Tide. Arkansas is coming off a 51-10 loss at home against Auburn which was one of the most embarrassing games I've probably witnessed just because I think by maybe the start of the fourth quarter I had kind of stopped even paying attention. It was just that bad. You kind of knew nothing positive was going to happen for Arkansas at that point. Uh, Hutch, main takeaways from that game. <laughs> well, well, first of all, Nikki, you just stick around Arkansas long enough and you'll see uh, some more games like that. Don't need, mean to be negative, but uh, I have... I have seen plenty of games that were, were as embarrassing as that. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the main takeaways was just the the margin uh, was, was a lot larger than I thought it was going to be. I honestly thought Arkansas had an outside shot at covering the 19-and-a-half-point spread. Uh, I think that <laughs> – I guess that was a little bit off. Uh, I thought they'd lose by three touchdowns, but instead they lost by 41. Uh, that, that was a little bit surprising uh, and just – uh, again, like they they were not able to effectively move the football, and, and Ben Hicks uh, part part of it's on him, uh, but also part of it's on the offensive line not able to to give them time. They weren't able to run the ball at all. But again, if if you listen to this podcast last week, I, I said I thought they would have a really hard time against that Auburn defensive line, and that proved to be the case. I, I think they only had three sacks, uh, but Ben was on under constant pressure. Uh, Marlon Davidson, the defensive end for Auburn, was the SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week for his performance. And he wasn't even like the heralded defensive tackle. Oh uh, right? yeah, he was he, the, yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the other guy. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's a top you know defensive end. I think he was a former five-star recruit. Yeah. Uh, Derek Brown, the, the touted defensive tackle you're talking about, uh, is also a former five-star recruit. They are definitely playing like it, and it was uh, it was not pretty. And uh, Ben was was quite. I think uh, Craddock said that he he told him that he felt like he got hit by a car. Uh, we saw him in the post game, Ben. That is with a ice pack on his left shoulder, and uh, apparently it's it's bad enough to where they haven't exactly named a starter for this week, and they're just kind of seeing how he feels. So Arkansas gives up 17 points in the first quarter. The first one, very short field position because Ben Hicks gets basically strip sacked, and the, I mean the guy just like takes the ball right out of his hand. <laughs> that was Davidson. It was and, incredible. And uh, I think it was only like 23 yards going the other way, touchdown. Um, and after that, I mean, Arkansas goes like three and out. They don't get a first down to like their fifth drive into the game. Um, ben Hicks ends the game 19 for 39, one touchdown, one pick, 182 yards. Does that, does that performance even earn him a chance to start this week? I mean, 
it, it's not like Nick Starkle has been like just yeah. you know lighting it up and by far the better starter. Uh, you know, he struggled with turnovers. That was something that Ben didn't do, but he turned it over three times. Uh, had two fumbles that he lost, and then obviously the interception is first of the season. The, sec- uh, the, the second fumble wasn't that like a bad handoff or something? I think so. It was it like was the, it was the, time, it was so the was last really, play yeah. of the last offensive play of the game, so I wasn't paying attention either. So uh, still, it was charged to him. Three turnovers uh, was not good. Uh, so I, I honestly have no idea. I mean, they've been uh, at practice this week. They've been putting John Stephen Jones out there first uh, as you know the media is leaving the field. So who the heck knows? Yeah. John, so John Stephen Jones uh, leading the team during that first media, that first portion where we're actually leaving the field. So they don't even really technically let us see it, but you know it takes us a few minutes. We're not athletes. We don't <laughs> get off the field fast enough for us not to see that. But Coach Morris did say this week that he is looking for a quarterback who maybe has a little bit more mobility, and John Stephen Jones actually has that. Do you think it's more of like a, a package situation that they're preparing him for, or is there an off chance that he might be ready to start? I would see it as a, as a package. Yeah. I, I can't envision him starting. Uh, I mean, I guess nothing would surprise me at this point, uh, but I think that since it is – there is five games remaining, so I don't think they're going to throw KJ to the Wolves yet, especially on the road at number one Alabama at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, let John Steven try to run the package, see if he what he can do. You don't have anything to lose with him. He's already redshirted, so might as well try it. Uh, then I think maybe moving forward we see some KJ and some packages, and then depending on how either of those guys do, maybe you see expanded roles moving forward. Yeah, KJ was in a scout team number again this this week, but he wasn't always working with the scout team. So he's getting kind of, you know, reps with the quarterbacks normally and then also working some scout team, which five games left. He can only play in four. So if you exclude the Alabama game, he could technically still go in and play the rest of the season. I just don't really see him doing too much even after the next game. Like, if you're Chad Morris, you don't want to show any signs that you're not trying to win every game. And I think throwing in a true freshman who isn't ready from kind of from what we've seen, just his inconsistency throwing the ball. Uh, but he, he does add that extra element. And a lot of people just want to see it because they want something different. Like, I was very frustrated seeing Ben Hicks tried out there time after time on Saturday. I think I tweeted, play someone else. And it was probably my most liked tweet of the day because everyone just wants something different than what they've been seeing um talking about the offensive line there are two major injuries there this week uh talk a little bit about those and what the hogs plan to do about them yeah their left side of the offensive line is pretty banged up right now colton jackson uh, had a back injury uh you may remember he dealt with a back injury last year, was expected to miss the entire first half of the season, ended up only missing the first two games of the season. Uh, so uh, he, uh, I wrote a story about it uh, right before, fall, uh, before the season started. Uh, and so he, I don't know if it's the same injury, uh, but he's, he's hurting. He tried to go through practice Tuesday, wasn't able to finish practice, and then wasn't out there Wednesday either. Uh, so I, I, Chad said he is doubtful to play Saturday. Uh, Myron Cunningham would be the most logical replacement. Uh, and then left, ha- left guard Austin Caps uh, is in concussion protocol, seems to have a concussion. 
uh, because he has uh, been declared out for the game. So it seems like Kirby Adcock is going to be the guy that gets to start at uh, left guard. He's the guy who came in after Caps went out against Auburn, and he's the guy that we've seen getting most of the reps. Uh, but we have seen some Shane Clinton. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they, they give him some work there as well because uh, Joe Craddock on, on Monday said, you know, Kirby's the first guy we're going to look there, but we're also going to look at some other guys as well. The concussions this season have really added up. You had Hudson Henry in fall camp. That really set him back. We haven't seen him at all this season. Um, T.J. Hammonds, Traylon Burks, Colton Jackson had a concussion at one point. Ty Clary, Devion Warren, Chase Hayden, and now Austin Capps, who ended up being the highest-graded offensive lineman, actually, last week. So that's really adding up, and it's all on the offensive side of the ball. And so if you can't consistently put out your best players, it's, it's going to take a toll on your team. Um, there is, one, there is one defensive player that we forgot what? that on the list, uh, Isaiah Nichols, during fall camp oh, missed yeah. uh, a few practices because he was in concussion protocol. And it's also worth noting, I want to point that out, these aren't necessarily guys that had concussions. These guys were in concussion protocol. Yeah, which means they have to miss at least Yeah, just, a, I mean, a I think week. a couple, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they don't necessarily miss games. And also I think that it's it's not that big of a deal because, hey, it's, we're dealing with these guys' brains. Uh, better to be safe than sorry uh, with with that kind of thing. So I, it's just one of those weird things. You know, Arkansas fans that are you know have been here a while, they they know foot injuries were an issue a few years back. So it's just kind of one of those one of those weird uh, injury things that happens. The only other guy that was really um, limited this week was Raheem Boyd, who is once again battling a shoulder injury, and I'm not quite sure if it's the exact same shoulder that he was hurting with last season and had to get surgery for but another shoulder injury but and this and this is like an ongoing thing so it's now like the third week that he's been in green after getting beat up in games Uh, he was limited to three yards of carry against Auburn which is kind of expected Um, only played 17 running plays against Auburn he did have a 100-yard game against Alabama last year. I can't exactly remember how they maneuvered that and how they got him those yards, but I feel like one was a long run. Do you remember that? I feel like he had a long run. I'm getting it pulled up as we speak. Uh, He had a 32-yard run, so not like a super long run. It's not like he got half of his yards, but that's a pretty pretty good chunk. Uh, He had... Uh, 102 yards, uh, 32 of which came on one carry. So, I mean, he still had 70 yards on his other 14 carries, which is a, a pretty solid, solid game against an Alabama defense that uh, usually holds holds people under that. I mean, he had he's the first guy to run for 100 yards on Alabama for Arkansas since Darren McFadden in 2007. So, tells you tells you a little bit. Do you remember why Deval Whaley missed that game? Was he hurt in some yeah, you know, he was he was hurt uh, a couple of times last year. Uh, yeah, he didn't play against Alabama, but he played against Ole Miss, had a pretty good game until he got hurt, as did Rakeem, mm-hmm. uh, the following week. So uh, that's kind of just been the, the story with Arkansas running backs the last couple of years. They've been, they've been kind of banged up. So Whaley gets to play Alabama this year on the road. Um, Chase Hayden was replaced on the depth chart by... TJ Hammonds this week what does that mean I mean no one really knows for certain but I mean he's played in four games this year 
had a concussion, missed a week. He's been back at practice, not in green. The last we heard of him, uh, Chad was saying they're still evaluating him, but uh, if you're playing out there, not in green, yeah, he you're seems not in concussion healthy. protocol. So it's one of those things where it looks like he's played in four games, he's got a red shirt available, yeah. and who knows? I mean, he could just, you know, he may not necessarily transfer. I mean, that seems to be the most likely thing, but, I mean, he could just be red shirting this year because he knows he's only going to get a handful of carries behind, uh, you know, Rakeem and Devois, give those carries to TJ, who's already red shirted, and maybe he'll have, you know, two extra years or he could be close to graduating and be a grad transfer yeah that that's i mean my conspiracy theory is that he's going to transfer because i just don't see jeff trailer allowing him to kind of sit back there if he was to need him in a game but maybe i guess he doesn't need him just because he wasn't performing at that high level before he went out with the concussion anyways um Freshman wide receiver Trey Knox, he received some midseason uh, All-American Freshman Award this week. He's had a pretty good year, but he still only has two touchdowns on the season, tying uh, the team leader, C.J. O'Grady. And Mike Woods. And, and Mike Woods? Okay, and so in comparison to Alabama, who's who's got wide receivers with seven or few. Six, nine, five, <laughs> four, three. So f- they've got five guys with more than Arkansas's team leaders. Yeah, I don't know. What's what's Alabama's red zone percentage? It's got to be really high. Red zone conversions. Oh, man. They're scoring 83.8% of the time and 67% of touchdowns. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense why all those receivers have just a ton of Well, yeah, you know, Tua's got, Tua's got 27 touchdown passes. So, I mean, that that's pretty good. 27 touchdown passes to two interceptions. Yeah, so we haven't <laughs> even really touched on Mac Jones yet. So, Alabama is bringing in their backup quarterback this week with Tua Tagovailoa. Wow, it's so nice that we haven't had to say that much this week just because it hasn't mattered. Um, so two is out. He had, was it like ankle surgery or something? He had a high ankle yeah. sprain and then he had surgery. Kind of like Jordan Jones. Yep. So he could be out four weeks or more basically with that surgery. We're never going to see Jordan Jones again this season, it <laughs> seems like. Um, Mac Jones, he's played in six games, some garbage time. He's got 20 completions on 32 attempts, one touchdown, one pick. Um, so there, there's minimal film of him, but not no film. So Arkansas should pretty much know what they're getting out of Mac Jones. Uh, Running-wise, I mean, it's, they sound like he's a run threat, but he hasn't actually gained a bunch of yards on the ground in the, in the garbage time that he's played. Maybe that's just because of the play calling. I'm not sure. But uh, how much of an advantage... <laughs> quote-unquote advantage is it for Arkansas to be playing against Bama's backup quarterback? Well, it always helps whenever the guy that's probably the front-runner for the Heisman Trophy is not not playing, Uh, but still, I don't know if it's going to make that much of a difference. It it might make it less of a blowout. Uh, I mean, I guess Arkansas could surprise us all, but we saw what uh, Kentucky did with its third-string quarterback, who was a converted wide receiver who hadn't played quarterback since high school. Uh, they seem to be okay, seem to be able to win that game. And Alabama's a whole heck of a lot more talented than Kentucky. They have just incredible wide receivers. They've got you know, just a, an, just a tons of, of running backs. I mean, Najee Harris was a former number one overall prospect at Rivals. 
Uh, he's their leading rusher, but they've got other guys that are, you know, high four star, five star running backs. So they they are they're going to be fine. Uh, Alabama, that is. So I, I really don't know if it's going to be much of an advantage. I, it what I see happening with Mac Jones is he's more of the traditional Alabama quarterback, and that he's a game manager. He's an AJ McCarron type who just kind of, he completes passes when he needs to. He'll probably have a few third down completions that drive you crazy. Uh, but more than anything, they're going to be handing that ball off. And I think Najee Harris is going to have a uh, really big game. Yeah, a stat that's going to kill Arkansas is that Alabama is fourth in the nation in converting, for, in converting third downs. Uh, Arkansas's defense is going to want to get off the field, and they're just not going to be able to. They're going to get exhausted. They rank uh, 88th in getting off the field in third downs, Arkansas oh, ideas. Oh, yeah. So, so that's that's going to be pretty rough. Um, whew, yeah, uh, but on the bright side, Arkansas and Alabama are tied for 18th or 35th in, in sacks. So That's the hey, only stat that know? they are, are tied in. Most of the other ones, Alabama has a, an advantage. Uh, that's in my weekly... Uh, breakdown, uh, comparing them as as recruits. Yeah, if you want to go in the corner and focus. cry, you can go read Hutch's complete it, it's, breakdown. It's unbelievable how how lopsided this matchup is. I, I've never seen anything quite like it. Great, I've only been doing this specific piece for for this season, uh, but I can't imagine there being many others that are are as drastic as it is right now. Because Arkansas right now is just not playing well at all, and Alabama is playing like a national title contender, like it always is. All right, guys, after the break, we are going to continue talking a little bit of Alabama. We'll touch on recruiting, hoops, and we'll get the inside scoop from our friends at Bama Insider. Stay with us. talked a whole lot about just I think we both kind of avoided the subject is what is Arkansas going to do at the end of this season what do you place the odds at that Arkansas removes Chad Morris completely as head coach well I think the easiest thing to do is uh, let's see what their likely record is uh, according to ESPN's football power index right now they have a, a 50 more than a 50 percent chance to finish three and nine, and a twenty percent chance to finish two and ten. I feel like if they go two and ten, which means they lost to Western Kentucky, I just can't see any way they bring back a coach who has gone four and twenty in two seasons. Uh, on top of that, even if he goes three and nine, you're looking at a coach who has gone zero and sixteen in SEC play because you're most likely gonna that third win is gonna be Western Kentucky mm-hmm. uh, unless you somehow pull a miracle and beat. Uh, Mississippi State. Uh, so if if they if they can't find a way to win one of these SEC games, uh, basically Mississippi State or Missouri seem to be the most likely because you're not going to beat Alabama and Tuscaloosa, and you're not going to beat LSU and Baton Rouge. So if if they go if he goes 0 16, I just don't know if they're going to really. He's not going to give himself a chance uh, for that third year. You you can't. No coach in the history of the conference has lost his first 16 SEC games in the history of the SEC, which was founded in 1933. Which position coach do you think the seats are, are hottest for? In my in my book, it's, you know, Craddock, offense coordinator, and quarterbacks coach, which 
you know, you've had so many quarterbacks at this point, you can't stick to one, so there's that issue. Um, offensive line coach, Coach Fry, I mean, in, by all accounts, he seems like a great guy. I listen to him at practice a lot, and he sounds like he knows what he's doing, but I'm not sure the offensive line has made enough of a jump in this second year to justify keeping him. Plus, he's not a very strong recruiter from what, I mean, from my experience, he has a lot of help. Um, the guys that he recruits, he's had other position coach coaches help him recruit those guys. Um, I think Barry Lunny's fine. Like, I mean, he's an Arkansas guy. He handles in-state recruiting. He did really well locking down the in-staters for the 2019 class, and plus his tight ends look pretty good. So, uh, and then who else we got? Uh, Justin Stepp. I mean, I think if I think if Morris goes, Stepp also goes. But if Morris stays, then I think Stepp stays. So that's that. And then on defense, I think your secondary coaches are very much at risk. Steve Caldwell might be the only one that's safe, and maybe Kenny Ingram because he's only been here one year. Uh, I think I think you might get rid of John Chavis after this year regardless. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the, you ask which, which guys, I mean, the two coordinators. Yeah. I mean, coming to mind. I mean, the Arkansas's defense, they've had good – Stretches. I mean, there was even a stretch against Auburn where they they held Auburn scores for 30, 40 minutes, something like that. And I'm like, man, this actually looks like a pretty decent defense uh, against an, an Auburn offense that isn't great, isn't your typical Gus Malzahn offense, but is still pretty good. Uh, and But then they've also had times where they just look completely abysmal and they can't stop anybody. Uh, so I think your two coordinators are going to be the guys that are, are first to go, and I think Dustin Fry as well. Uh, even though some of the pro football focus numbers seem to indicate that the offensive line has improved from, you know, just completely horrible in the SEC to mediocre middle of the pack SEC, which in one year, considering they didn't really bring in a ton of impact guys. Yeah, a lot of freshmen. Uh, it, they they did bring in you know a couple of JUCO guys, one of which is actually playing in Cunningham. And a 50-50 hit and miss ratio yeah. with JUCO guys is kind of what you expect. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, I mean, but I don't know. If you hit on the recruiting part of it. Like one thing with with Dustin, I think that he, I think some of the fans appreciate this in that he he's even said in interviews. I've, I've talked to him about it. How he doesn't like necessarily the guys that are all over social media mm -hmm. and big, you know, attention seekers. But you know, I hate to break it to you, a lot of those guys are really good. Yeah, you the know, best like, players are like typically you know, Stacey like Wilkins is a guy that, you know, when he was talking about it just came to my mind because Stacey Wilkins was all over Twitter. He loved getting loved by people and uh, things like that. You know, he, but he, he more prefers the old school offensive linemen who are kind of quieter, the Ricky Stromberg types. Yeah, the hard workers. Uh, and, and you know, there you, you you need those guys. I think mm -hmm. Stromberg's gonna be a very good offensive lineman for the, for Arkansas. But you also need some of the other guys that are a little bit more flashy, kind of the, you know, Sebastian Tritola comes to mind for Arkansas, Dan Skipper. These are guys that not aren't necessarily the kinds that Fry would recruit, but he probably needs to be a little bit more uh, accepting of trying to go after some of those guys. In this week's segment of If You Had Money, What Would You Do? Um, what would you bet? with this minus 31 and a half game over under 56? Oh, you know, it opened at 35. Uh, had that... I thought it was 33. No, it opened at 35. Oh, it quickly, quickly <laughs> came down to 33. Now it's even down even further, apparently. Uh, last I saw it was 32. You said it's 30, 31 and a half. 
the the game the the public seems to be really confident that Mac Jones is not going to beat Arkansas by five touchdowns. Uh, I don't know if that's comforting or yeah. not, but if I was if I was bet I would I would probably take Alabama to cover thirty one and a half. I don't know if they'd cover if it was thirty five what I would do, uh, but I I like Alabama's chances of covering uh, just because it's. It's still they still got that stable of running backs that that's gonna be really really good and I don't think Arkansas has stopped the run yet. I mean they've given up over 600 yards the last two weeks, uh, so I think they're gonna run all over Arkansas. The only thing that could help is that uh, running takes time off the clock, so you have fewer possessions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if Arkansas is gonna be able to move the ball on Alabama. I think uh, I wrote this during the preseason and I still believe it. Nick Saban doesn't forget. He yeah. doesn't forget that Arkansas scored 31 points on him last year, even if two or three of those touchdowns came in garbage time. He remembers. He's going to want to throw down the hammer and not let Arkansas do anything. I think I predicted Arkansas to score three points in this game during the preseason, and I don't know if I'm going to change that. Let me play the clip of Nick Saban this week when asked if, you know, what, what would happen if Alabama's up by a lot of points and what they would do about putting in backups you know we're, we're, we're focused on winning the game all right so we're, we're going to try to win the game and we're going to play the best players that we can play to win the game and we're not assuming that it's going to be an easy game all right? and we're not assuming that we'll have opportunity just to play anybody that wants to play to expedite anything except winning the game so we're going to play everybody who can expedite winning the game that's what that's what we're going to do so I don't think anybody should expect us to do anything else. Oh, man, that was classic saving. Um, before we talk a little hoops, let's get our Bama Insider in here and do our Q&A real quick. Hey, everybody, I'm here with Kyle Henderson from Bama Insider. Kyle, just give everyone a little bit of context. How long have you been covering in the Crimson Tide? Hey, well, first of all, thank you, Nikki, for having me on. We appreciate it. And everybody who's driving down from Arkansas safe travels. Um, I have now been covering uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide full time for the past three seasons. Um, I've been with Rivals.com for 15 years, and uh, really looking forward to uh, talking about this weekend's game. Awesome. So we heard some clips of Saban this week. He seems pretty intense. Do you feel like he's worried at all about this game? Um, I, I think his message to the team this week and to really everybody is you can't overlook any type of game. Now, I know a lot of people in this market, everyone's talking about, you know, the game for Alabama and LSU, and right. which presents Arkansas as a trap game because you don't want to overlook anybody. As we've seen, you know, Wisconsin lost to Illinois, uh, Georgia lost to South Carolina, any giving Saturday. So while Alabama is a 33-point favorite, the message has been driven home again and again that Alabama has to focus on the task at hand, which is Arkansas, who's coming into Bryant-Denny Stadium. In your experience, just what kind of replacement is Mac Jones for Tua? You know, I I spoke with a source uh, actually yesterday that said Mac Jones has looked absolutely excellent uh, throughout this week. And I know if you look at that the the game against Tennessee, um, it looked like he was caught off guard, you know, especially the first couple series he suffered a big sack, but... Um, now, with Alabama having him at the game plan, this is a guy that's a redshirt sophomore, and we've seen him flourish uh, in the last two spring games where he's thrown for over 225 yards and really been somebody that has shown that can throw the football. 
And I don't think that anything is going to change this Saturday. I think Alabama is going to stick with their game plan, continue with the RPOs, and continue to use their versatile wide receivers and their big running backs. I mean, you got to look at the, this offense as a whole. I mean, this this team has a lot of NFL draft picks on both sides of the ball, especially on offense. So they're not going to start stop distributing the football to Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, um, and so forth. So expect all systems go come Saturday evening against Arkansas. Was there any kind of drama in his recruitment at all? Um, actually, Mac Jones had uh, actually committed to Kentucky before he uh, flipped and committed to Alabama. So, um, but but this is a guy who we've seen grow. Um, you know, he, him and uh, Damian Harris, who was a running back who graduated last year. Those two were really close, and um, you know, we've seen a lot of maturity from this quarterback over the last couple seasons. And I know a lot of people want to talk about Talia, who's a younger brother of Tua. Um, who's a true freshman, they get reps at the quarterback position. But Nick Saban said it time and time again that Mac Jones is well ahead of these other quarterbacks on the roster. So we'll, you know, we'll see if he can take this opportunity and show that he can lead Alabama's offense. A lot of people feel that he's just a game manager. He's just a serviceable quarterback. But this is an opportunity to prove that he can lead Alabama's offense, not only tonight, but during the 2020 season. Because as you know, it's only a matter of time until Tua Tungvalu is out of here. Right. So if you're Arkansas, what are the weaknesses of Alabama that you might try to exploit? <laughs> you know, it's – I mean, this team is a complete juggernaut. You know, let's call it what it is. I mean, everybody knows how talented Alabama is on both sides of the football. I think one of the vulnerabilities for Alabama is their inside linebackers. This is an area where you have two freshmen starting for Alabama – now, during the season, Alabama has started as many as seven, eight freshmen on the on both sides of the football. So um, the, the defense has suffered a lot of early season injuries. And right now you have Christian Harris and Shane Lee, who are their inside linebackers. You also have Byron Young at defensive end, who's a freshman. And then you also have DJ Dell, who's a freshman. So Alabama will start four freshmen against Arkansas. And I think that's an area where... They, they've seen struggles. You know, the, this team has given up a lot more points than they have in the past. On the flip side, um, the, the pass rush has been absolutely phenomenal in the last couple games, and that's a large part due to the fact that Terrell Lewis, who's a you know top 10 pick in the NFL draft, is uh, fully healthy at the outside linebacker position. So he has five sacks, um, four in the last two games, and then you also have Anthony Jennings, who's a veteran outside linebacker. So while you have vulnerabilities across the middle of the field, you have some veteran leadership on the outside. We do a little segment on our podcast called, If We Had Money, What Would You Bet? Uh, the line right now, I think, is minus 31.5 for Alabama. Uh, do you think they cover that? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a great question this week. You know, you know, Every time you see Alabama play, um, it's been a rather weak schedule. You know, Alabama's really coasted through, um, you know, their first half of the season. I, I think it'll be tough for Alabama to cover that large spread. I think, um, one, it's going to, the weather looks to be ugly. You're going to have a lot of rain potentially before the game. So I don't know how that's going to contribute to the offensive points. And um, I don't know. I, I just have a feeling that Alabama, obviously, I, I feel that they're going to win handedly. But I don't know. 30, 31 points seems like a lot. So, I'm not sure Alabama covers that spread, but then again, um, it is homecoming. There, these new lights are um, creating an absolutely electric atmosphere at Bryant Kennedy Stadium. This team is very good on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, oh, so so special teams, but 31 points just seems like a lot to me. 
<laughs> All right, Kyle. I appreciate it so much. Wish I could see you over there, but uh, maybe next year. Hey, Nikki, con congratulations with the new gig. You're doing a great job. Keep up the good work over in Arkansas. Thanks so much. All right, Hutch. First question about Arkansas Hoops. What did you think of the new court design? I think it was pretty good. I mean, I know a lot of people were wishing that the slobbering hog was at midcourt. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was probably in that camp as well. I would have loved that uh, just because that was the, the Arkansas basketball of my childhood. Uh, so it was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, they did unveil the, the state outline. It was very similar to what they have in Barnhill for the volleyball team. Yep. Uh, you may have seen it at the red-white game. Uh, but that should have tipped us off. They yeah. like, they like kind of uniformity across the yes, court. So. Yes, they do. Uh, but the actual Nolan Richardson court, you know, section, I thought was really, really looked good. You can easily, it looks like a signature, but you can easily read Nolan Richardson. And they incorporated the Slobbering Hog with it. So I think it was a great compromise. And I think I ran a poll uh, about it after the uh, afterwards. And it... I got like over 900 responses and it was very even like it was like you know close to 25 percent on each of the four options so if you get it pretty even that that's that's pretty good because no one's it's never going to be 100 percent approval no matter what you do so i think it was a, a pretty uh, pretty good job on the court design and the, the ceremony itself was phenomenal as well yeah i think they really picked someone something that nobody could hate you know necessarily it's just kind of like yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they brought back Nolan Richardson, of course, and they had Mike Anderson there, which was a great moment for Arkansas. I, I don't think you ever want to burn any kind of bridges with someone who has that much history with the program. Um, we talked to Coach Musselman today. He recapped a bit of the performance against University of Arkansas Little Rock. Arkansas won that game. What were your main takeaways from that performance? Arkansas is going to shoot a whole lot of three-pointers this yeah, year. <laughs> yeah. They they attempted, I think, 35 uh, was the final number for them. Uh, at one point, uh, Musselman said they were on pace for 40. Uh, obviously, whenever it's late and as the time wound down, you, you're not shooting as many. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think if it was a close game and they needed to, they would have shot 40-40 plus. Uh, so that I think that's going to be a big thing. You know, Isaiah Joe is is going to be huge with that. He made eight of seventeen, which is just under fifty percent. Uh, so he he looked really good. Um, and you know, one thing that was a little bit disappointing was the other three point shooters, Mason Jones, Gene Tosilla, Desi Sills. They struggled a little bit. Uh, I don't think they shot maybe twenty percent, something like that, from three point range. You need them to be on, uh, but if you get Isaiah Joe making eight of seventeen, that's pretty good. Uh, and then even even Jalen Harris, a guy that shot eleven percent from three point range last year, he attempted one three pointer, and it went in. And not only did it go in, but it actually looked like a good shot. Uh, last year, anytime he shot the ball, it was just kind of like, oh, like what, what was that? Uh, but it actually looked really good out of his hands, uh, nothing but net. It, it was it was nice. If he can hit that, uh, you know, Musman said uh, earlier today that he's more confident in his shot, which mm -hmm. I think is going to help. And if he can just make it a little bit, just be a threat to make it out there, I think that'll make them respect it, and it'll go uh, really well for them. Uh, Jimmy Witt's not going to be a three-point shooter. He has quite possibly the ugliest shot I've ever seen. <laughs> he shot free throws the other day shooting from his chest. 
Looking like Sam Loy out there. It, it looked like <laughs> Sam Loy's fake punts attempts, which we haven't even talked about. We don't even need to. Yeah, it's, it, over. it's it's it's, it's in the, it's in the past. So strike it from the record. But uh, I, that's that's my big main takeaway from Arkansas is just that they're going to shoot a ton of three pointers, and it's going to be an exciting team to watch because of that. It's also going to be a very frustrating team to watch. They're going to go through some really cold stretches, but also some really really exciting stretches as well. Yeah, I've, I've seen it before with teams that rely on heavy shooting. If you're having a bad night, it. it you know, that's just how it goes some days. Um, but luckily, Musselman said that Mason Jones has had the best week of practice that he's had. So we'll get to see that tomorrow, Friday night, uh, 7 p.m. against Southwestern Oklahoma State um, in Bud Walton. If you can make it out there, I'm sure it'll be worth your time to just kind of get a glimpse of these guys. And they're going to be trying out a bunch of different combinations. Um, another very positive note was how Musselman was saying that Adrio Bailey very much played within his role, which has been kind of an issue for him in the past. Uh, and I think that'll help him gain more confidence and therefore be better when he you know, hits the SEC play. And I think that was a problem last year. Yeah, I think that was a problem for several guys. You know, yeah. Gabe Osaboyan comes to mind, <laughs> who's no longer here, but... Uh, R.I.P. Gabe. Yeah. <laughs> Not R.I.P. He, He's with Western Virginia. Yeah, West, Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. yeah. So uh, they they didn't really play within their roles. They tried to, you know, shoot jump shots, and that's something. Uh, I think Adriel shot one or two in the red-white game, and that was something Musselman brought up in the postgame saying, that's not his game. We we told him that. And that's something uh, that comes down to coaching. Like yeah. you have to be able to control and that was your something, guys. That was something the previous coaching staff didn't do. Yeah. I remember specifically asking Mike Anderson about it. Like, hey, have you talked? Do you talk like, to me about? He's like, I tell my guys to take good shots. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's not a good shot in my opinion. And but it seems like Musselman actually truly does tell his guys to take good shots. And good shots is different for each player. And I think that was something that I don't necessarily think Anderson believed that he uh Musselman he knows the analytics he's very analytically uh minded mm-hmm. uh so I'm sure I, I, you love that oh I, I do it's fantastic and so uh I think it's going to benefit Arkansas uh from that standpoint they're still going to have some struggles though of course um and then finally we asked coach Musselman you specifically asked coach Musselman once again today the status of Connor Vanover still not cleared by the NCAA. Uh, we've been seeing some guys get cleared, a couple guys not. For example, Keyshawn Embry Simpson today not cleared to play for Tulsa this season after uh, entering the trans- transfer portal a couple days after Mike Anderson was fired. That was probably his whole um, waiver claim that you know the head coach was fired, and that's similar to what Connor Vanover is putting in, except also his grandmother is sick, so there's kind of that added element so we'll see uh the majority of guys have been cleared though so if they finally get to him there's i want to say there's a good chance of him getting cleared um coming up i have a bunch of recruiting news there were a bunch of official visits but there won't be very many more until the end of the football season more on that coming up I'm going to kick this section off with just a couple mailbag questions that got sent in. Uh, If you ever want to send in questions, the number is 479-856-2755, or you can hit us up on Twitter at any time. Both of our DMs are 
open and we check them all the time. So uh, Thomas from Little Rock asked, my question is, why hasn't the men's basketball team offered Isaac McBride? He was the Gatorade Player of the Year from Arkansas. He went to Kansas, enrolled, and then transferred out after sitting out the season. Um, from what I've heard, he was a little bit soft at Kansas. He wasn't working that hard, and if that is true, I can absolutely see why Eric Musselman doesn't want him on his team because uh, Eric Musselman is going to work you extremely hard and you're going to have to put in a ton of effort. And also, Arkansas has a limited number of scholarships for next year's class, which has five four-star uh, rivals 150 members in state not necessarily playing high school ball in state but from the state of Arkansas and they might just want to save all those spots for them um, yeah the second part of the question was are they holding out for the in-staters and honestly they could be uh, if you give that scholarship away then you can't take one of them and based on what I've seen all of them are very much worthy of coming here and would be good fits. Another basketball question from Strowman of Fayetteville. He asked, of the four Arkansas Hoops players left to commit, Moody, Robinson, Williams, and more, who do I see committing first? Do I see them getting all four? And is it still realistic to think Kyrie Walker will come in and enroll um, mid-season? So Kyrie Walker was supposed to come in on an official visit a couple weeks ago now and he said that he was still planning to do it they had postponed it said in a week or two well it's been a week or two hasn't come to visit yet and I honestly think uh, well a lot of the rumor is that it's an academic issue so if he is not academically qualified then it makes sense to not even bring him in on the visit because what's the point, you know? Uh, and a lot of people will hear about that maybe the 2020s will hear about it and then be kind of hesitant in their commitments to Arkansas so uh, that's a big reason why I don't think he's come to visit yet um, on Moody Moses Moody KK Robinson Jalen Williams and Chris Moore Chris Moore just cut his top three to Arkansas Auburn and Memphis yesterday he's already taken his official visits to Arkansas and Memphis they both went well from what I can tell it doesn't seem like he has much of a spot at Memphis yet. I feel like if they pushed really hard for him, Penny Hardaway and those guys would be able to get him, but um, so far no movement there. Uh, and that, that's the reason I think that maybe he didn't commit on his official visit to Arkansas. And he wants to go check out Auburn, so he'll be there in two weeks, uh, November 1st. And he'll be there with Jalen Williams, who from the whole group seems like he's one of the guys that wants to drag it out, take all of his official visits, and then make a decision. K.K. Robinson and Moses Moody were both here for their official visits last weekend, and K.K. sounds very much ready to commit to Arkansas. He said his top four are Kansas, Illinois, uh, TCU, and Arkansas. And he said that he and Moses had long talks about committing to Arkansas and coming here together, so that sounds very promising. And then Moses, uh, he has Ohio State up there, Michigan, Florida, but Arkansas seems like the leader. Uh, he just wants to kind of take his time. He said he'll commit sometime before the early signing period and then sign early. So Arkansas is in a great spot with all four of them. 
I think if Arkansas continues to push as hard as they have been, they've been visiting them at school every single week, they have a great shot. Something I posted about on the board earlier this week is that Arkansas football will not be inviting more official visitors during the season, and that's pretty crazy. Uh, they have three already scheduled. That's uh, Brady Ward, an offensive lineman from Alabama, uh, Mike Harris, a safety from Alabama, and Donovan Johnson, a safety from Louisiana. So those three guys will still come on their official visits for the Mississippi State and Western Kentucky games. But outside of those guys, the team is not planning to host more official visitors. Um, and based on the way that last weekend went with the Auburn game, it makes a whole lot of sense. If you looked up to the section where the recruits sit during the game, uh, there was a lot of, you know, not paying a whole lot of attention or kind of laughing or just kind of being embarrassed. So in my opinion, kind of a smart move. Why would you want guys coming and seeing a stadium that has 54,000 people Atten announced attendance, you know, like. But is that not one of the most embarrassing, embarrassing things that you could possibly have happen? Yeah, I mean that's why I think it's a good idea because like to not bring them in. I mean it, it would just be ridiculous if a, a coach. I mean why would, if these guys, most of them are being recruited by other SEC schools. If you're going to go to Tennessee and have a crowd of a hundred thousand. Tennessee has the same record as Arkansas, yeah. and they still manage to fill the stadium. I don't know and how I, they do it, but they. And do. that's and that's again, that's not criticizing the fans because yeah, we I understand. totally understand not coming. I think this we the attendance. Paid. Who knows what we'd be doing on Saturday? Like, like this attendance, the the fifty four thousand six hundred nineteen against Auburn, lowest for a Fayetteville game since two thousand and three. That is not a comment against the fans that's just a, a damning state uh, stat for the state of the program right now i mean if you look at it arkansas had one two three four five six seven eight crowds of under sixty thousand since the stadium expanded and i believe five of them have been since last season in the last seven home games that's just it's just the state of the program right now no one the the fans are they don't care about it. That's why they're so excited about basketball right now. And they're kind of trying to make a point. They're, yeah. They're trying to make a point that we are not going to come to these games if you keep Chad Morris and if you keep performing Two and in ten. the way that you're performing. Uh, someone, I think, posted that there was a guy with a bag on his head, like, behind the... Oh, we've reached <laughs> the Cleveland the Browns bench. standpoint. So, yeah. When you're being compared to the Cleveland Browns, that is not a good spot, especially for recruiting. Um, so they had six official visitors last weekend the three from Whitehaven, three four-star linebackers. Not going to touch on that too much, but they all committed to Tennessee after their visit. So, yeah, that is that. Uh, Dwight McGluthern from the Houston area, he's a four-star cornerback. He had a great time. His family had a great time. He says he's looking to come back. Him and John Gentry were chatting it up uh, on Twitter. But he is still kind of holding out for Oregon, which is a program he likes a lot. And... You know, all these kids do. They love Oregon. I don't know. I guess it's the Nike aspect. Um, Nick Turner, who is a Georgia Tech uh, safety commit, he had a good time, but he was just like, I'm going to keep in touch with the coaches, and we'll see how it goes ahead of signing day. So he's not quite ready to make the flip, which I thought he would be after his official visit last week. Perhaps the game turned him off a little bit. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, also, you got to think these kids, they – 
they hear what all the fans are saying. They hear mm -hmm. that people want they Chad Morris fired. Yeah. They they're not they're not stupid. They know that there might be a change. So why why commit to a coaching staff that that might not be there? Keep your options open. I mean, that's if I was advising these kids, that's exactly what I tell them to do. The one real positive that came out of it was Darren Turner. Uh, the wide receiver slash safety commit from Memphis. He sounds very solid to Arkansas. He had a great time on his official visit, and he was posting on Twitter about how nasty the wide receiver group is going to be next year when he joins. Thanks, everybody. Uh, the Alabama game kicks off at 6 p.m. in Tuscaloosa. We'll be bringing you all the live updates on the trough and on the legendary live commentary thread that we love so much. See y'all.